Welcome to this edition of Talking HR with Lori and Lisa, where as always, our goal is to give you a real look at today's HR world through the sharing of experiences, knowledge, and inspiring people practices. I'm your host, Lori Rokoff. And I'm Lori's co-host, Lisa Fuller. It's a real pleasure to have with us a very special guest, Jayanne Gilfoy. Jayanne was my former leader as the VP HR at BC Lottery Corporation um, back in 2004 and have to say was very instrumental in my career as an HR practitioner. Uh, Jayanne, you took at that time a very human and engaged approach to leadership long before it sort of became popular. So I followed your career and watched you advance across um, organizations and industries and as a senior executive in the private and public sector. And now you're in the cooperative financial services industry. So I know you've, you've had a very rich career, not only in human resources, but um, transformation and technology. And you're currently the CEO for Meridian Credit Union. And Meridian focuses on leveraging Meridian's unique value proposition to transform um, the business and is one of the largest financial institutions servicing more than 360,000 members across Canada. Thank you, JM, for joining us. Welcome. Thank you very much, Lisa and Laurie. It's nice to be here. Well, Jan, as I mentioned, I've I've kind of followed you, and we've stayed in contact. And um, I can't believe it was two thousand and four. I know, <laughs> I know, and we're still just as young, and we're still. I know, learning. right? <laughs> and we're always learning in in our field of people and culture. I find yep. so, and I feel like you know, watching your advancement in your career, it really speaks volumes to your dedication and commitment not only to your personal and professional growth, but your commitment towards leadership of people. Can you tell us a little bit about your journey as a leader and how advancing not only yourself, but um, how you've advanced the companies that, that you've led as well? Yeah, thanks for the question, Lisa. Um, you know, and I was reflecting on this. So I think I said this in another talk I had. So if you were to ask my mother, uh, she would say <laughs> that my leadership journey started when my older brother went to kindergarten. And I wanted to go too, and it was right across the street from our house. And so the teacher let me in and, and said to my mom that it was great because when I was there, she really didn't have to do anything. And I organized the class for her. So I think uh, my roots of, um, of wanting to organize and arrange people kind of go back to, you know, something that's kind of probably a little bit core to my personality. But you know, along the way, I think I, I made some strategic investments and decisions. And the first one would have been, you know, when I started my career in HR in the late 80s. And it's often those situations where things aren't going so well that you, you make a choice around how you're going to show up. And so I had a very challenging boss early on in my HR career and a boss that really only focused on things that I wasn't good at, right? So, you know, the things that I couldn't do and, and and this person would really, you know, get on me about it. And, and I made the choice to leave. But I also made the choice that I wanted to be different, right? I wanted to be a leader who found the best in people, uh, who really, you know, held up a standard of care for others and made people feel confident and capable. So I think that's what started my path to learning. So, 
So it was all about starting with, you know, figuring out how do I show up every day uh, with the best intentions and lots of, you know, mistakes along the way, for sure. I think somebody called me a sergeant once in my career. But, uh, but I, you know, I went on to then learn, you know, focusing on learning about leadership, because it was so core to everything that you do in an organization, whether you're leading a business or marketing or HR or technology, um, it's, it's important in community. And so, and leader, leadership for me never ends. It is a journey that you're constantly on. And the more you learn, the more you want to learn because you realize there's still lots of gaps to have. So, so I think it started at a, at a young age. It was honed through both negative experience. And, and then the next boss I had was an amazing person. And, you know, I was, you know, maybe 25, 26. And, you know, my first week on the job, she took me out for lunch and, and made it all about me. And I thought, wow, this is somebody that I really wanted to work for. So recognizing that that's really important. And then I think as I, I ventured through my career, um, you know, I've led then led transformation and change for a number of different organizations. And and again, you know, when I when I met you at, at Lottery Corporation, I had just come off a great, a great experience with uh, BC Biomedical Laboratories, where we became the top employer, the number one employer in Canada, based on on the engagement score survey results. And so that really propelled me to recognize that, you know, if you're going to have uh, high performing workforce and, and people who work for you, you got you also got to be a high performing leader. So I've had lots of coaches. I've coached a few, you know, I've, I've been at the C-suite coaching a few CEOs, some good, some not so good, some great. I have coaches today. I read leadership books. I listen to podcasts and I really think that it is a journey and not a destination. So I'm still on the journey. Well, thanks for sharing that, Jan. That, that was really enlightening in terms of your, just the progress you made over the years and in terms of your, your leadership. Would you say generally that your leadership style has changed over that time as well? Yeah, yeah, um, I, for sure. I think when I was, you know, when I was younger and less confident, you know, I, I probably had a, a vision of how you should be as a leader, what you should, how you should show up and what's expected, you know, like what kinds of clothes you need to wear and, you know, how serious you need to be and all that kind of stuff. And then actually when I was at Lotteries with Lisa, I remember uh, we we held an employee forum of some sort and somebody made the comment that I was very stiff and sort of, you know, not very approachable, which is not my natural state. So I think I then focused on, you know, how do I make sure, and, and I think, you know, age and wisdom and all that plays out. How do you make sure you're bringing your authentic self to the role and really, you know, capitalizing on your strengths? And I, I read a lot around the Gallup sort of focusing on your strengths and, and, and then sort of parlay that into how I wanted to help others grow and, and develop. I would also say that, you know, putting in two core banking systems, which I did prior to taking on the role that I had, that I my last role, which was a startup bank, and then now into Meridian, you know, you, you I had to lead without, um, lead without knowledge, right? I had to lead technology implementations without being a technology person. And I had to start a business in a new, in a new area. So I think that, that led me to really expand my leadership um, understanding and capability and learn to um, to find people who I can really trust and engage with and um, and support and develop 
while they take on the, you know, the professional or the detailed execution of the plan. I think I'm more patient now. I think I understand complexity. I'm certainly more flexible. And um, I, I never see the world of change as being over. Like, I think we're constantly in change as we're learning. You know, we just think we're getting through pandemic and then, you know, the war in Ukraine hits and now, you know, interest rates are going crazy and then a recession. And so I think I'm, I'm more flexible and, and resilient as it relates to, um, to what's going on around us outside. And then how do, how do I then make sure that I can parlay that into how I show up as a leader? I, I love that. Um, and it takes me back to when we had a conversation a couple of months ago when we were first talking about having you as a guest on our podcast. And we talked about the evolution of the workplace and the workforce and society today. Um, and I know you are a CEO leading a national organization and you're working hybrid mm -hmm. yourself. Uh, so I'm curious to know about that experience leading people across Canada mm -hmm. when you're working remotely and hybrid and um, as well, because that's a different experience. Yeah, and I, I, I so prior to pandemic, I think because I, I had roles that had multiple locations, right? So leading HR teams uh, that had, you know, when I was at Lotteries, I had a team in Kamloops and a team in Vancouver. And then when I was at Coast Capital Savings, I had a team in Surrey and a team in Victoria. And then at Van City, I had teams in four different buildings. So ge geography, I've never been in a role for many, many years that I was in the same location with everybody who worked for me. So I think I already had a bit of a leg up in terms of, um, in terms of, you know, being more mobile and more nomadic, right? So things like offices and, and having a, my own office really started to become less important. When the pandemic hit though, I did certainly feel like a caged animal. Like I felt like, oh my goodness, I'm now stuck, you know, stuck in my home office. I can't, I'm a social being. I can't see people. I don't know what's going on. I can't feel the energy. Like I feed off of people's energy. I'm an extrovert. So I certainly felt um, like, oh, this can't be forever, right? It can't be forever. Um, but then as, the, as time went on and I started to see that there was ways of engaging people still in a virtual way that was meaningful and purposeful, um, you know, and in fact, in, at some level, we became more intimate, right? Like we knew it was going, we knew you had a home office in your bathroom, which happened to me once. Or the guy had a home office in his bathroom because it was the only private place for him. <laughs> but we saw your dogs, your cats, your kids, right? That garbage men, mm -hmm. you know, somebody delivering stuff to your home. So it became, became more human, I think, in, in that sort of time of, of pandemic. So the shift has occurred. I definitely think that hybrid is here to stay. I think the organizations and the leaders of organizations that are um, that are embracing it are going to be the ones that are going to be able to attract and, and retain talent. And I think you have to have some physical physical time. So in my current role, I spend time in Ontario uh, because the majority of the workforce is there, and I do that, you know, for with purpose. So looking at um, why do we need to meet and so being specific about things like if we're going to be just reviewing business results policies something you know, a lot of kind of the leadership management of an organization you don't need to be in person you're reviewing details and reports and talking about things that have happened in the past and so you can do that i think very effectively in a remote world 
And then there's things that are really good to do face to face. So that's things like developing your team, you know, strategy development, um, doing some, you know, problem solving, forward thinking. And so those are the things that I think um, we'll continue to kind of put in place and evolve as we learn along the hybrid journey. So reading lots of things, um, but, but, you know, I have a personal interest in making it happen. And so I think when the CEO has a personal interest in, in making it, people become more interested in it. And when I joined Meridian, one of the first things I did was I went on a listening tour with all 2000 employees. So I held virtual 17 or 18 virtual sessions with 2000 employees. And I asked them about, you know, what should I change? What shouldn't I change? And the one thing everybody was very clear on not changing was this world of more flexibility, this world of remote work. So I think it helps if the CEO believes that you can still have culture and performance and results by doing things hybrid. So Joanne, just uh, going a little deeper into that point, as a leader who, who's been involved in remote work over the years, have you seen changes in more recent times of employee expectations for a hybrid environment or remote working? Well, I think there was an article in the Globe, I think this, this weekend that said 80% of employees are saying they don't want to go back to work, right? So I think the shift has been that it's no longer, the, the relationship between employee and employer is a lot more complicated, right? It is quite different now because employees have greater choice with the challenges that we're having with finding and keeping people. And so I think it is, uh, it is incumbent upon leaders to figure out how to make it work. I agree. And you said something um, that I think resonated with me, Jan. It, it was about that you, you really, as a CEO, went forward with purpose of how to make a hybrid work environment work effectively, how to make sure you had personal time um, connecting with staff and it is a blend of both so that's that's really important as leaders but how do actually employees or individuals also build their careers in a hybrid work environment because they're going to need to uh, move forward with some purpose as well do you have any thoughts around how a young hr practitioner or a young professional can also advance their career in a hybrid environment well, I think that, you know, the mentoring and coaching, I think, is the, are the big uh, levers to pull in a hybrid environment, right? So, it, in fact, I think when you're in a hybrid environment, I think you have to have more structure. Like, I think it causes us to have a need for structure. So, whether it's a structure to have a coaching conversation or a structure to have, I think you need you need more structure. So, I would suggest to younger um, up and coming talent that they need to be more purposeful about finding those mentors and, and people who can help them develop because it won't happen as naturally as if you're standing waiting for a cup of coffee or you're right or you're working on a project and the person next to you has got the, you know, that's the experience that they can just lean over to your desk and say, you know, you need to think about this differently. So I think, uh, I think we all have to be more purposeful about what we spend our time on. And we need to probably embed development and performance more holistically into our day to day. 
So because I think it, you have to think, you have to think like that. You have to think in a more structured way. If your interactions, majority of them are done, you know, in isolation, you're in a home environment, or maybe you're in a workplace that you're only the only person there, and your colleagues are all on screen. I think you have to find the time to have some of those less formal conversations because it won't happen naturally as you come into a meeting or leave a meeting or you're sitting at your desk, right? So structure is actually more important, I think, in, in a hybrid world. Yeah, and I, I have, uh, oh, sorry, go ahead, Laurie. I was just gonna say, I, I'm thinking about other things that have been happening in the world, as you touched upon earlier um, in our conversation, uh, you know, the external environment. Is there anything else that besides the hybrid world that as leaders um, you would recommend uh, they should consider and focus on? Well, I think, you know, I, you know, we're putting together a long-term strategy right now for our organization. And, you know, in that, I said to the, to the board, you know, we need to be bold, like, because you want to have an exciting, bold strategy for your organization to get excited about, and you want to be able to solve problems for our members or customers that, you know, that exist for them, right? But we also at the same time need to be pragmatic. So I think having um, the ability to think long-term, but to be able to respond in the short-term, the planning horizon I think is different now. I think time, time is different now for people. And I think people's willingness to go all in has got to be linked to purpose. I, I love that because I think when we we spoke, we just said it feels like the world is literally changing in nanoseconds and, you know, we have to create and carve time out for focus, for creative thinking and for our our wellness. Um, I'm going to shift gears just a little bit or build on on what you our conversation um, has led us to. And I know the organizations you lead take a very proactive approach to to purpose and social purpose. Um, and Meridian is no different. They're also known to be a leader in purpose, diversity, and global social issues. Why is that important for companies to not only consider, but to, to provide leadership in? Um, well, I think that, um, first of all, uh, the new generation of employees expect it because they've grown up you know, learning about diversity and being in a more diverse communities than, you know, many, many of their parents and grandparents were as a country, you know, we have, you know, I think about 400,000 new people come to our country every year. We, we, we are reconciling with our Indigenous history and our Indigenous peoples. And so I think employees are looking for it. Customers are also looking for it. They want to buy things from organizations that are, that don't leave the, the place uh, leave the world in in a worse state, right? So you've got customers change changing their paradigms, their their sentiments. You've got employees changing. You've got investors who now want to you know invest in companies that are doing good. So there's there's many stakeholders who are changing the dynamic for organization, and it's the right thing to do. So I think you know uh, our value sets, our thinking about each other, our our um, commitments to communities, all of those things are driving a, a, re, a real change that we've been talking about, at least since I started my career in HR, right, early days around diversity, equity, and inclusion, around making sure that businesses, you know, 
are treating their employees the same way they treat their customers. So, so things have evolved um, and expectations have changed. So I think, you know, if you're not thinking about being a purpose-driven organization, you're not thinking about helping to serve, to serve communities and to build, build strong, resilient um, places to live and work then, you know, your people are going to go elsewhere as will your customers. Um, you know, the organization, I think the other thing is the organization has become the trusted place for people. So with all of the other systems, the traditional systems, the colonial systems around education and churches and, and places where people used to go to, to come, come together and, and trusted the leaders of those of those institutions, all of that has changed. So, or the organization really does become a trusted place. And there's lots of research out there that would say that, you know, organization trust um, is really critical to kind of um, financial success too. So I think all of that is why uh, companies should consider uh, shifting what they're doing so that they have a no harm strategy, no harm to people, no harm to planet. Um, for a leader, I think, it makes you a better leader if you have your own personal purpose or a purpose for your organization. It fuels you in new ways. It helps inspire those around you to do things they may not think they can. So I think it's a, a leadership imperative, right? To other, Otherwise, if you're not, if you don't have a purpose, if you're not thinking about it, people probably won't lead, you know, follow you in the long term. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I agree. It's, it's not just about um, leadership. It's about you know the followership uh, mm -hmm. as well so what are you doing to help guide and support and engage and empower people that work with you as a team so for me i think i'm i'm a, a person who likes to try try things to help put systems into practice right so theories into practice for me you need to to try things to do that. So in my current role, what have I done this year? I've, you know, shared our purpose with our organization across to every employer, asked for, asked for their feedback on what they liked about it, what they, what they worried about. Uh, we're having a leadership offsite um, at the end of October with all of our directors and above. And one day we'll be focused on, you know, grounding yourself in your own purpose. And then how does your purpose fit with the purpose of the organization? You know, we, we talk about it regularly as part of our core strategy. So living our purpose is one of the core things that we do and, and finding all of, the, um, all of the proof points to that. So stories of how employees are showing up, how, how we're helping our members live their best life, which is our purpose. So, so through, you know, uh, written materials, through um, digital interactions, through physical interactions, through coaching and training and development, you know, we've got a training program where we're uh, telling our, our frontline retail employees to sell from love. So all of it aligning to a purpose-driven approach. And then at the back end, we will start to measure and be uh, put into our, our performance management system and our short-term incentive plans and our long-term incentive plans, you know, goals around where we're shifting, uh, shifting our systems out there that we can start to impact by providing finance to lots of different organizations and people who have been historically excluded 
um, or uh, are in new fields that worry, you know, worry conventional and conservative financial institutions that we really need to get uh, moving if we're going to solve things like the current climate. But you're crisis. Mm -hmm. oh, sorry, go ahead. It is, okay. it, oh, I was just oh, thinking ahead, about, um, no. you know, your own journey as in your career. And if you thought about the one or two words of advice you would give yourself thinking back when <laughs> in your younger days, mm -hmm. um, what would those be? I think the first one I would say is um, don't be so hard on yourself. You know, I think uh, as a woman and a woman in the workforce and a woman in the workforce at the time where, you know, I was, I think, the first woman at the executive team at BC Lottery Corporation. I certainly, you know, worked in very male dominated industries along the way. Um, you know, I think I was harder on myself. I felt like I had to prove more, right? Do more, be more. So that would be one thing that I would um, I would suggest to myself, my younger self. Um, the second would be um, to when somebody says they see something in you to believe them and to um, go for it, right? Not take more risks, you know, do things sooner. I think I was on succession plans and had kind of conversations with a few CEOs before I had the confidence to finally say I could be a CEO, even though they said I could be. I wasn't always, you know, my confidence level wasn't always there. Um, so those would be two things and, and, and say what you need to say, I think would be my third one, right? Don't, don't hold back, you know, be professional and be, um, be sincere, but, but your voice, you have a voice and, and what you say matters. Mm -hmm. I think that's so important. And um, I think there's a lot of our listeners that will, will learn a lot from that um, sort of guidance because it, you know as we get a little older and we've we've had our careers and advanced you learn a lot like you said it's a journey and we've done things and learned things but maybe not always doing them right but the whole piece is I never think of things as mistakes I think of them as learnings and how right. did, how did it help me grow it's not a mistake if it's helping me grow as an individual or as a uh, person and how I give back to my myself or my community or others so mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and what I love is uh, you know where you started uh, with with our conversation was it brings me back to everything we learned we learned in <laughs> kindergarten yeah that's <laughs> right remember that right? book that's a great yeah, book yeah, yeah yeah and uh and just to see how you know just learning and growing authentic and appreciating that the world is complex it's a little messy and just not giving up like just kind of working through things um, will help yeah. help us um, as individuals but as leaders leading others as well yeah somebody a coach once said to me you know she has this equation and I, I share it with lots of people but her equation was light your life conditions equals your expectations and so if you're if you're not happy with where you're at or you're not fulfilled, then you have two choices. And I, I believe in choice. I like choice as a kind of empowerment model. So you can change your life conditions or you can change your expectations. And sometimes you can't change your life conditions. Um, and so therefore you've got to monitor your expectations. And you know, I certainly am a recovering perfectionist, still working on it, right? As it relates to, you know, things that I 
will do and won't do. Um, and, uh, and so, but it is a, an empowerment kind of equation that I've, I've carried probably now for, I don't know, 15 or 18 years. Right. And so when I feel myself in sort of that uncomfortable space or, you know, I'm getting angry or agitated or some, or something, I, I, I try to reflect on, and I say, try, I try to reflect on, is it the condition that I'm in that's causing this or is it my expectations? And then how do I course correct so I can feel in, in better harmony and can kind of move through, as you said, sometimes you can go around, sometimes you can go over, but sometimes you actually got to go through. Mm-hmm. And so it helps me go through. That's great advice. Well, it's been an absolute joy to connect with you again. And I hope we stay in uh, more contact and get to see each other in yeah. person soon. So, and we really appreciate you having, being a guest on our, our podcast and uh, sharing with our listeners as well. Yes, it was great you, uh, meeting you through the podcast. And uh, hopefully we can connect again in the future. Thank you very much. Bye.